Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Crunch time offense, again an issue for the Celtics as they lose to the Cavs in overtime, 114 to 113. Donovan Mitchell was electric. Luke Cornett was not. All of that next on First to the Floor. It's going to be first to the floor here. And it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. That's the first time we've seen a superstar in green and white sacrifice the body. Hey, hey, welcome into another episode of First to the Floor. Unfortunately, a disappointing loss to the Cavs in what probably will go down as a regular season classic game. Unfortunately, the Celtics just on the wrong end of it. I'm joined by uh, my mate, of course, Wayne Spoony. Spoons, how you doing, buddy? Good, Ben. I think it was uh, during the last playoffs you were saying that you're afraid we're kind of like the villains in Steph Curry's hero story. Yes. And that's kind of what it feels like. Uh, for, like the up and coming Cavs kind of feel like that Kemba JTJB team that was yep. like spunky and young and everyone liked. So, um, yeah, that one hurt. Not real happy. Um, but I think there's some positives to take away. Yeah, well, I mean, let's get right to that. I think I, from a therapeutic standpoint, Spoonie, I need to hear the positives right off the bat. I'm sure anyone listening does as well. What what are the positives that we can glean from such a performance? So I think number one, I, I'm not going to talk about three-point shooting because I think the Cabs missed a lot of open threes too. So mm-hmm. even if we call that a wash, how many layups did Malcolm Brogdon blow? Four? Tatum missed at least two lefty layups that I, he probably should have made. And he also got fouled on the dunk to tie the game. So any of those occur and we win this game. And most importantly, we win this game without our third best player, Rob mm-hmm. Williams. So yep. like that was a fully healthy Cavaliers team and we are missing Rob Williams. And it still took Karis LeVert dropping 41 or beating us barely in overtime on kind of a missed call. Um, So I think overall we're hanging with what everyone thinks is one of the four fifth best team in the East without one of our best players. So I think that's kind of a good thing. Yeah. Okay. That's a good way of looking at it. I mean, there were a few other moments within the game that, that I thought maybe should have gone our way that didn't, uh, yeah. In particular, Tatum was called for a travel under the hoop there late where he, I think he was pulled, his jersey was pulled up by Donovan Mitchell. The bucket goes in. Unfortunately, it's not counted. He's called for a travel. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know you, you called it right off the, off the top there, Spoonie. The Cavs in their own right missed a lot of three-point shots, but just watching the Celtics miss so many open threes so many. and cough up. <laughs> So many misses right on the bucket as well throughout yeah. the game. Brogdon, I thought, came off the bench. In, early in the game, the Celtics struggled in the first quarter. Brogdon comes off the bench and gives us a quick seven points and had like a pretty good punch there. First half, off yeah. The bench. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But overall, and we'll get to like some of the strategic issues throughout the game and maybe some of the, the shortcomings from Brogdon. But you know, overall, I, I suppose it wasn't a great 
performance from him. If we just start to run down a run sheet here, Spoonie, and look at just broadly speaking, like why did the Celtics lose this game? Why did the Cavs win this game? What are sort of some of the standout either statistics or just like strategic elements from your perspective? I think we really have had trouble at the point of attack defending this season, which is kind of inexcusable considering the talent on this roster. And um, Mitchell didn't end up being particularly efficient, but man, it felt like everything he, every time he had the ball, it felt so incredibly dangerous. And um, Darius Garland, I mean, he cooked anybody we put on him. He was just grabbing isolations and making the right read or going by people or hitting step back. So I think our inability to contain elite ball handlers is something that we should be concerned about. And I don't know what the offensive rebounding numbers were, um, but it felt like every time the Cavs needed an offensive rebound in like a clutch situation or to build on their run or to kill one of our runs, they got it. Um, Overall, I think the C's did a much better job rebounding in this game. The gang rebounded. Uh, People were actually boxing out, which is a big improvement from that first Cavs game. But um, man, it's those like clutch rebounds. I think it was... um, Mobley got one, I think, in overtime to get a second chance point. And, you know, you don't, it's like seven, eight points you score in overtime. So every point matters so much. And so, man, we just got to figure out a way to contain ball handlers, uh, really. I mean, even if it's just like let them take a bunch of step backs, they're going to miss them eventually. I'm not sure what else we can do. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, the the drop coverage is interesting. Uh, I I thought that. For a lot of the game, it felt like Al Horford just needed to take sort of half a step up to the ball handler out of that drop. I felt like it was giving too much space yeah. to Garland and Mitchell. And I think we saw Grant Williams. First of all, they switched a lot more of those coverages with Definitely. Grant Williams. But uh, overall, Grant Williams did a much better job uh, of defending the ball handler in a pick and roll situation. There was one notable possession where Garland, uh, I think, called... Was it Lopez? Um, whoever Grant Williams' man was up to yeah. set a pick. And Grant Williams was just like, all right, like, fuck you. I'm going to switch this. And just guarded the shit out of him, like, perfectly and completely nullified the threat. Unfortunately, from a big man perspective, and it's so apparent in, in games against really good um, guard big man attacking tandems, uh, we just don't have the personnel, unfortunately, to... Uh, to, to ride with that old game. Do you, do you think that Rob Williams, like, coming back is the answer to that? Or do you think it's more of a sort of schematic Joe Mazzulla issue? Yeah, I think one of the big problems with switching a lot is that Rob and Grant are both incredible um, on-ball defenders, you know, for a few seconds, which is all you really need from them. But that also means our guard is now on Jared Allen, right? And and he's just going to go straight to the rim and rebound. Uh, So the nice thing about when you have like Rob and Al out there is you have another big out there to rebound. But plus Tatum is not big for a four, but he's huge for a three. And same with Jalen Brown. He's not big for a three, but he's huge for a shooting guard. And then we know Marcus Smart's going to box out everybody, box out the cameraman under the hoop if you know if he sees him in his line of sight. So Smart's going to give it that effort. And it, I think it's just so helpful from a rebounding standpoint to just be big. And the Cavs are just fucking big. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. those two dudes, like they're just like they tip everything. It makes rebounding so 
difficult. You have to expend so much energy and then you don't have it for chasing Donovan Mitchell around three different pick and rolls on the next possession. It's just really, they're a very good team, man. They're If Levert is making shots, they're going to be very difficult to beat, which I don't trust, but he does against us. Yeah, apparently. What did he have? One point the other night? Was it something like yes, that? Or one, one made basket? He 41 and then one. <laughs> yeah, so he can join the, the club. You know, that's uh, I believe that the leader of the club is, is Chris Middleton and Terrence Ross is the, is the VP. There are a number of other. Ish Smith, I always feel like Ish Smith. gets like 15 on us too. He's averaging like three a game and he'll drop 15. <laughs> yeah. Always the way. A tale as old as time. Spoonie, I guess just sticking with reasons we lost this game. And I found it difficult to... It was such a close game, right? It's so hard to make notes throughout the game. Like, why, why did know, we win? Yeah. Why I, did we lose I'm when it's very on nice <laughs> Yeah, likewise. And very emotionally charged here. So forgive me for the lack of analytics. Um, I did make a quick note at the end of the game. Jalen Brown, end of OT, timeout, brain fart, where... Gets the rebound. There's probably, what, six seconds left on the clock? Somewhere yes. between four yeah. and six seconds. Yeah, Plenty four, of time to execute a good ATO. Uh, instead, takes about four dribbles up the court doing <laughs> or thinking God knows what. I don't know. <laughs> can you elaborate, Smoothie? Like, that was it's fucking terrible. I, the only thing I can think is Jalen either didn't know that rule, which is possible, and it didn't end up killing us that bad because Joe- Seven-year vet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or he thought we didn't have any timeouts, which is also n- not really forgivable. Um, mm-hmm. So not great. Jalen is prone to kind of odd decisions at times, I'd say, on the basketball court. Um, and luckily, hey, we were hating on Missoula for never using timeouts. Well, the fact that he had two at the end there worked out really yeah. nicely because then he could just talk <laughs> yeah. all the second one and, and then actually advance the ball. So yeah, um, that was a really, really bizarre, strange sequence because Jalen, I think he was about to shoot it from half mm-hmm. court too. Like he looked yeah. up like he was about to fire this thing off and Joe's like, for the love of God, blow your whistle, someone. I don't know what this man is doing. So do you, can you think of any rational reason? I mean, it's gotta be, he didn't think we had timeouts, right? Yeah. That, and he just like thinks in terms of like getting buckets. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm grasping, <laughs> grasping good straws here, but he's like, I got the ball <laughs> games on the line, Jalen Brown, baby. And just like starts dribbling. I, I don't know. There's really no good explanation for it. And then the, final um possession to end uh overtime where we we lined up in that same formation that got tatum the dunk earlier in regulation the dunk that he got fouled on that should have put us up ahead at the end of regulation same formation which ends in like a turnaround fadeaway Jalen brown mid-range shot that just had no business going in from the moment it touched his hands um any any takeaways from that possession did you think they got the look that they wanted I think that was, yeah, I think the design was always get Jalen isolated against D Wade. Um, but wh- why not at least run some people off screens or something, yes. right? I mean, I know you don't have another timeout, but at that point, you can just kind of put Al near the hoop and throw it up and hope he can tip it in or something. I mean, that's probably better than we've now had two chances to win a game at the end of the game. And one has been that like shitty Tatum fade away that he it really didn't have a prayer. And the other one was tonight, a shitty Jalen fade away that really didn't have a prayer. Like you can screen before you pass the ball in. And I would like to see a little bit more of that. Um, I loved yeah. the play to end the game. 
um, not OT, but that fourth quarter. That was mm-hmm. a great play, great design. Dunk of um, the it. Yeah, I know. That was whew, filthy. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're winning this game after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, I don't know, like run a stack or something. Like there's got to be ways. I really like no one, you know, it's scary to do it, but I like running end of game plays for your not best players because no one expects it. So mm-hmm. those guys can kind of sneak open and, you know, we've got enough talent on this roster where you should be able to trust any of those guys to make a final shot if they're open. Yeah, absolutely. And a quick shout out, should have done this at the top of the podcast, bad hosting a job by me, but shout out to everyone in the comments and everyone yes. uh, listening later on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your, your podcast material. A comment from Z Gamer 200 they said the Celtics late game basketball IQ in general is super questionable, which is absolutely true. We yeah. saw it in the playoffs last season, and unfortunately, we're seeing it again uh, early this season. I suppose, Spoonie, like that's a good comment to, to wrap up sort of the immediate post-game thoughts so that we're not here all night. We should start to sort of rattle off some of the points in our run sheet yeah. here. And strategy-wise, I thought a really, not a, not a new development um, defensively, but not something that we've seen a lot of this season. Smart, Marcus Smart, defensively starting off guarding the five, guarding Jarrett Allen, and then switching like basically everything. And yeah. then whichever guard had to dive down to, to roll with the big man, I thought Horford or Grant or basically anyone other than Luke Cornett did a really good job of that scram switch to get the guard out of that coverage, particularly in the second quarter and paired with a huge increase in effort everywhere, but particularly rebounding yeah. and running guys off screens. That led to a really, really successful second quarter, which you were hoping was like that flip switch moment, which mm-hmm. unfortunately starting the third quarter Switch the um the flip the switch back again. Uh, it wasn't sustainable, but I, I thought that 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 style of defensive coverage is not something that we've seen a lot of this season with Rob out. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, it felt like last year's you know the second half last year's Celtics for a while. I will say we're clearly playing a lot faster on offense, which is great. But playing fast on offense is also incredibly difficult to play with like a hundred percent effort defensively too. So you're expending a lot of energy running so much offensively. Um, and <laughs> uh, spending so much effort r- running offensively. And then also like asking Marcus smart to cover Jared Allen and do all these different things on the defensive end. So I kind of fear like I, I almost wonder if Joe should go a little deeper into the bench a little bit, but regardless, it felt like that second half, we were getting into the paint, moving the ball. Um, A lot of like make Mobley and Allen close out on shooters because that's how you beat those guys. Like if you just try to attack in isolation, they're going to get there and help and they're going to swat your shit to the moon. What you Mm got to do is kick outs. You know, I think we had Grant out there for a lot of that second quarter where things looked great. And it's because one of Mobley or Allen has to guard him and they got to get out to him. And he had that one really nice pump fake, relocate, pull up three that he buried. Um, And that just pulls them further and further and out from the paint. And then you've gotten more attacking lanes. And um, for some reason, we stopped doing that in the fourth quarter. But (laughs) it looked really good in that second quarter, didn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. I just I want to live in a bubble of that that second quarter. I was right. reminiscent of uh, the first quarter. I was going back a bit. The first quarter of the Eastern Conference Finals, Game One against the Heat, where Twitter was just like, "We're going to the finals. This yeah, looks amazing." Yeah. And then every subsequent quarter, basically throughout the rest of that series, was dog shit. Um, Jason Tatum, just to bring up the box score here, uh, which is very grainy on my screen. Uh, four blocks <laughs> in this game. Yeah. And you, you'd mentioned it on a previous podcast, Spoonie, that Tatum had kind of been, at least part-time, filling the role of that Rob Roma position defensively. What did you see from Tatum in that sense in this particular game? Yeah, I, I think he was I think he was doing a lot of that, um, especially we saw a lot of Grant at the five tonight, which I think is a... I guess you don't have a lot of options because Cornette was, I mean, he, he was just unplayable tonight with Garland so and Mitchell. Um, you just can't have him out there because they're too good at just walking into pull up jump shots. So uh, yeah, with Grant out there, he's just, you're just asking Tatum to like sit on Isaac Okoro or Karis Levert and be that help defender like Rob does. And he did a really, really good job of it tonight. I mean, he was, kind of all over the place defensively had a couple of really nice help uh help defense plays um where he was getting up and blocking shots and um you know it was good stuff man I thought Tatum played one of his best defensive games uh, maybe his best defensive game of the season tonight um you know capped off by that block of Mitchell's shot to end to end the fourth quarter um and then you know I I can't really remember him getting burnt when he had to switch out onto the ball handlers much at all either. I don't know if you can remember that at at all, Ben. So overall, I think it was a great, great Tatum defensive game. And he's just really rising to that challenge of trying to replace Rob. He's obviously not doing it because Rob is just another level of athlete and defensive player, but you know, he's do, I think he's doing enough. Yeah. I I think it, and it sort of leaks into the point of we need to maybe start looking at some of these games and tell me if I'm being too optimistic here, Spoonie, but looking at these games through the lens of like, look at what they're doing without Rob. Because right. I think like yeah. there are a lot of, yeah, optimistic takeaways once you consider that we're missing our second team, all defense, you know, starting center, the the literal anchor of our, of our top defense last year. He's been missing all season. Uh, and yet we have at least been able to patch together these solid stretches defensively. Uh, lineup wise, we mentioned the fourth quarter was quite terrible. There was a lot of... There was no Cornette, first of all, because they, they basically stashed him after, what, like three minutes of gameplay early in the game where he was clearly like just not compatible defensively in this game. We did try a lot of Hauser going into the third quarter and really leading right up to the end of the third quarter, and we just saw the Cavs just relentlessly go yes. at Hauser every possession, and... I was watching very closely, trying to sort of glean some positive, like, oh, look, Hauser is... This is a bad one. (laughs) He was not holding his own. He was not uh, whatsoever. Uh, So lineup-wise, problematic for the Celtics. Uh, Cue the beginning of the fourth quarter where the Celtics kind of brought themselves back into it and even took the lead. We saw this lineup of Al Horford, Grant Williams, Derek White, who I want to shout out again later, Jalen and Brogdon and just in contrast to that end of third quarter lineup we begin this quarter we're highly switchable with Grant out there we've got really no weaknesses to attack we've seen teams go at Derek White as that point of attack in the past and and fail we saw it again with the Cavs with their small guards 
Um, that was a really su- successful lineup. Uh, six minutes left. Uh, we went to Grant, JT, Jalen, White, Smart. Um, did that, uh, I guess, second iteration of the fourth quarter lineup, Spoonie, seem like less successful to you? Because it's around there where the Cavs started to sort of crawl back a little bit. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of Marcus Smart from six minutes to like three minutes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just feel like he started dominating the ball for whatever reason. Uh, part of the problem, Jalen went ice cold in the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like he missed several, like a handful of very open threes that you expect him to knock down. And I think Z Gamer in the chat said he's down to 33% from three to start the year, which is yeah. obviously not ideal. Uh, one of those goes in, right? And it's a W. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I I like that lineup in theory. I think what Missoula's thinking there is what we were kind of talking about before is like, you're not going to outbig the Cavs without Rob, so you might as well just stretch them out and see if you can uh, create, like, outscore them, basically. But, uh, you know, I thought Derek White had been getting picked on quite a bit defensively. Um, I think Jimmy Butler got him good in that heat game a, a few times, and teams have kind of been going at him as sort of the weak link, even though he's not a weak link. I didn't. I thought he was great tonight, uh, basically in every facet. Uh but yeah, you're just so small when Grant is the five and JT is the four, and I don't, there's no rim protection. I mean, it's just a very difficult lineup to be successful with. And then if Smart's taken like three or four straight possessions over, you're not really getting the benefit of having an offense first lineup out there anyway. So mm-hmm. um, I didn't love it. I think he brought Brogdon in um, to close the game out at some point. But uh, I could be misremembering that. It's all an emotional blur the last, like, three minutes. <laughs> yeah. So now to body experience. And uh, yeah, to right. be honest, it was that was the first time I've felt like that since the playoffs. And while it came with a loss, it was kind of refreshing to sort of, like, re-remember those feelings and f- and feel the emotions that only the Celtics can make me feel. Not to sound too overdramatic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you're Brad Stevens tomorrow, you walk into your office and uh, you, your little tote tray with all your papers stacked up is on your desk. Is trade suggestions for a big man at the top of that tote tray when you sit down at your desk, Brad Stevens? I I don't think so yet. I think we really have to wait until we can trade that Gallo contract. I really am not sure what else you can even do because at some point you can't keep cobbling together all these end of the bench guys and making trades. Um, It's not 2K, no. (laughs) Yeah, right, exactly. Eventually you run out of picks, right? Uh, So (laughs) I think once you get the Gallo contract, I, I don't know about you, Ben, but I think Pritchard's lack of involvement is a pretty clear sign to me. He's probably not in the future plans, which makes mm-hmm. me sad because I really like his game. Yep. Um, so I'm not, I, I think we were not going to wake up tomorrow and see Jakob Pertle in green as much as that would make me very, very happy. Uh, <laughs> but man, it's getting, 
it's tough when Luke Cornette's your third big, dude. It is fucking yeah. tough. <laughs> it's it's survival mode, right? We're in like yeah. Rob Absence survival mode, and I it's like hunt for Red October style, like submarine. All the little bolts are popping out. The water pressure is building up, and like, how long can we hang on before the <laughs> yeah. whole thing implodes yeah. and we all get crushed by water pressure? That's what it feels like without Rob. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we absolutely have to wait until we can make use of the of the Gallo contract. Um, it just feels like forever away. Like it, it does. Yeah, December. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. And know, real right? quick. Yeah, I think what Z Gamers uh, saying here that you want home court in the playoffs, and we're not looking great now, which is going to hurt us in the standings later in the year. I think that is the argument for do- making a move sooner than later. Plus, it mm-hmm. gives you more time to incorporate that guy into the team. The flip side is I think the East is going to be very cannibalistic this year because there are a shitload of really good teams. I mean, the Cavs are going to beat a lot of people. Toronto is going to beat a lot of people. I'm way down on Miami, but the Knicks are pretty good. Like, yeah. uh, And then obviously, who knows what Brooklyn's going to do. Philly's good. Um, Milwaukee is beating everybody. Charlotte's playing well. Like, I mean, the East is like 10 solid to great teams. So... I'm not too super worried that we're four and three right now. We've got some things to figure out. Bad shooting night tonight. It happens. It sucks. I really wanted to beat this Cleveland team, but hey, you just got to move it along. So I'm not freaking out too much about the standings, man. Wait, we were two and five at this point last year, right? Yeah. Like, and then we ended up with the two seed. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. I mean, but looking down the schedule, which we'll get to to wrap up this podcast shortly, like, there's not a lot of games that you can look at and be like, "That's just like an easy win." Right, there's so much talent league yeah. wide now. Like, there's maybe five teams that you can look at and be like, okay, I, I expect to win that night. Um, to sort of start to move along here and look at how this game compared to the last Cavs game, Spoonie, can we talk about this man? Uh, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're missing out on a, a glorious visual photo of Grant Williams dressed up in uh, his, uh, I guess, his uh, native habitat there now. His his, his Batman costume. Uh, Grant Williams' presence in this game, suffice to Huge. say, was incredibly noticeable compared to the last Cavs game. Um, I really just wanted to show that Batman photo of him. <laughs> I mean, <we've, laughs> Grant was talked, great. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the switching. We've talked, obviously, yeah. about the, the clear benefits of having him on the court. I mean, we can just move on, I guess, unless you've got Yeah, well, one thing add. I'll say is uh, I think he's continued to show that he's willing to drive a closeout and can finish most of the time when he gets there. Did it a couple times tonight. Good on you, Grant. Let's keep seeing that, man. Keep adding to that game, baby. Hashtag grow with the game. Gilbert Williams. Yes, friend of the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about Marcus Smart very quickly? We did have a list of names to run through in terms of individual performances. I feel like we've hit on most of them. There's a Reddit post. I'm just refreshing Reddit to try and get like post-game comments to add to the show here. And someone is, it's immediately downvoted, but someone's posted Marcus Smart. Looks like he's lost a step. And, you know, he talked about... After a game, I guess a couple of weeks ago, that he was dealing with an injury, an ongoing injury, um, and he's just obviously not 100%. Um, There were some good smart moments in this game, drawing offensive fouls, like some classic smart moments, but- (laughs) Grifter. Yeah. (laughs) Hero. But overall, like just doesn't really seem like himself. Am I wrong? No, I totally agree. I, I was actually just texting. Um, it might have actually might have been on Reddit. I was going back and forth with somebody like, he looks- not right physically. I, I don't know if he's out of shape and he's played himself into shape in the past. So wouldn't be the first time um, he's 
come in and had to work himself into shape. Or if, if there is an injury that would not shock me because yeah, he just does not look as quick laterally defensively to me. And that is like the smart, like what he needs that right. Otherwise, you know, the reason he's so effective is because he's so fucking strong and you can't get by him. Um, And so without one of those two things, he's just a fundamentally different player. Um, Okay, Z Gamer says smart tweaked his hip oblique in Toronto. That would certainly hinder your lateral quickness quite a bit. So I'm going to choose to believe that's what it is. But good (laughs) Lord, man, he's got to rein it in just a little bit in crunch time um, because he had some brutal decisions down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, maybe this is where you think about resting, Marcus. Like, he obviously was injured throughout the postseason. Almost all of our guys were, it felt like. And if he's spending that offseason recovering and it comes into the season not quite in shape, and while you've still got Pritchard before you get to that Gallo deadline where you can trade the contract, maybe now is where you play Pritchard a little bit, sit Marcus Smart. But that feels like it'd be a difficult conversation in terms of convincing Marcus Smart, like just to sit to for the play. sake of sitting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like he, we expect him to sort of get in shape as the season continues. Maybe we also accept him to sort of gradually, or expect him rather, to gradually uh, recover actively, I suppose, while playing. We're going to take a very quick break now to get to a message from our sponsor while I bring up our uh, overlays here. It's never too early to play holiday music and it's never too early to start thinking about gifts. Whether it's for a friend or friends in your pants, you can make this season to be jolly with Manscaped. (laughs) Do your little drummer boy a favor and use the Lawn Mower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. Then add in Manscaped's top-of-the-line shower products to have the people thinking... All I want for Christmas is you. (laughs) Santa cares about his sack, and so should you. Look nice when you get naughty by going to manscaped.com and using the code FIRST18 for free shipping and 20% off. A time that I've used Manscaped a lot recently, I play basketball twice a week, and as I'm aging, shoulders, back, nose, face, it's all getting pretty hairy, you might say unsightly, and to shave the emerging parts of my body that come out of my jersey that you would not expect to be hairy, that are, unfortunately, as I age. Manscaped, taking care of that all day long, twice a week, and believe me, I need it twice a week. The Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. It has everything needed to help you deck the holes from face to balls just in time for mistletoe season. The Platinum Package has each product from the best-selling performance package plus ultra premium body wash, ultra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner and the ultra premium deodorant. It's the best way to smell fresh from your Santa hat to your candy cane. <laughs> the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer and weed whacker nose and ear trimmer feature proprietary advanced skin safe technology to protect delicate presents. Plus, both are waterproof so there's no issue clearing the snow out of your driveway. There's also a 4000K LED light on it so you can light the way just like Rudolph. Now that you're groomed your candy cane, it's time to make sure you don't smell like a reindeer with the Platinum Package Shower products. All of Manscaped's shower gear is sulfate-free, vegan, and made to have your skin feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. But smelling good doesn't stop at the shower. The crop reserve ball deodorant, as the music's just died on me. Thank you, Spoonie. Uh, but smelling good doesn't stop at the shower. The crop reserve ball deodorant and crop reviver ball toner can solve stank problems all day long. Once they touch your sack, you'll never go back. 
The Platinum Package 4.0 sitting under the tree is guaranteed to put anyone in the holiday spirit. And for the perfect stocking stubber, add in the brand new Body Buffer, an incredible body scrubber that makes exfoliating easy and a lot cleaner than the old loofah. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code FIRST18 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code FIRST18. Manscaped, get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. Ah, spooty. Read. That never gets old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for helping me out there with the music and the uh, the overlays. Should we get on to uh, what is becoming a recurring segment here in the Schadenfreude report, which unfortunately after a loss just doesn't really have the same kick to it, but there's been some, yeah. some movements with some of our rivals, if you want to call them that, in the last couple of weeks. And I feel like first we should get to Kyrie Irving in the Nets and- a few days ago, I was sort of in the schadenfreude, like rubbing my hands together. This is juicy. I hate those pesky nets. And as this sort of continues to evolve, I'm kind of like more stepping back, more cringing and a little bit hesitant to sort of touch that at all. But I mean, we are seeing a rival of ours suffer <laughs> at the expense of some people who do not deserve to suffer at all. Right. Uh, but I don't know, Spoonie, like it's, it's, it's clearly bad for the Nets and I want to be careful how I phrase this. What's bad for the Nets is good for us, but also what's bad for the Nets is bad for like potentially millions of people here. So yeah, it's not uh, an ideal. No. <laughs> I, I hope the money he donated does some good because that was quite the statement he released. Mm-hmm. I will say that. I mean... I mean, he didn't really say sorry. <laughs> I mean, uh, he, he didn't use the word sorry. Um, so, yeah, what a disaster, dude. Kyrie is like, it almost is getting to the point where I kind of am starting to feel bad because I'm not sure some like something's not right with him. Like, you know, like actually seriously yeah. not right with him. Um, but if he's just like a troll fuck that guy um he's horrible and i mean even still it doesn't excuse what he's saying and the stuff he's doing so i just can't imagine what that locker room is like it it must be chaos well there's one less member of that uh, locker room now with steve nash being given the boot and by all reports one ime udoka being brought in as the nets head coach which seems Unreal, given how recently all of the news came up and we we still don't know a lot of really anything about what happened other than a few um, reports with a few details, but really nothing specific Mm -hmm. or or particularly detailed. And you get the impression that the Celtics players are in the same position. And yet here the Nets are, they've done their quote, due diligence in what, five minutes to determine that Ime Doka is a good candidate to bring into their already troubled organization. What do you think about that, Spoonie? Do you think that, first of all, Udoka will have a positive impact on the Nets? And what do you think this hiring has impact-wise on the Celtics and, more importantly, the, the players that we love so much? Yeah, I think it, it puts the players in a weird spot. And you saw the quotes from Smart and Jalen today where, I mean, they clearly still care about the guy and and love him and I, I think respect him at least professionally um, from a Nets point of view. I think Udoka has a chance to be really good for them. I 
do not think that chance is very high because you need buy-in from your stars. And like, how are you going to get Kyrie to buy in to play defense the way Udoka wants you to? Like, you think Kyrie's going to take kindly to say the shit Udoka says in the media? Like, he was basically like, the Jays don't try, you know, like they're yeah, they give nothing. They're weak. They're soft. They need to be tough. Like in the media, Kyrie is not going to suffer that shit. So I actually think this has a chance to implode even worse when you're adding Ime Udoka into the mix, who is coming off, might I add, in an inappropriate relationship to so bad that he got fired from his job. I mean, like the Nets are just what's one more thing? You know what I mean? It's yeah. like. Uh, Mr. Burns and the Simpsons, or yeah, um, he goes to the doctor and he's like, it's like every single disease is trying to kill you at the same time and they're stuck in the door frame. <laughs> and he's like, oh, so I'm invincible. He's like, no, a strong breeze could kill you. Invincible, you say. That's like what it is. It's like what just, they're all stuck in the doorway anyway. No yeah. one can sort out what the hell's going on with us. So might as well bring that dude in too. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a it's a funny way of looking at it. Like he's if he's going to go anywhere, that the Nets are completely fit to accommodate him, given that they right. both share. Um, it's like the fourth most problematic thing they got going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Come here, we'll protect you with our uh, dig, uh, bigger and uh, much more substantial controversies. All right. Well, I think we can leave that. I mean, there were some comments that came out from Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown about the, the disappointment. With the Doka situation, and it seemed like they were maybe a little bit blindsided by it, Spoonie, and that they yes. perhaps expected Udoka to to come back. And I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll admit that a couple of games ago, and this is terrible, but I'll admit it that when we were struggling, and obviously that was short lived. So I'm talking about around the Bulls game. I was finding myself thinking, like, I wonder if there is like a pathway for Udoka returning. Obviously, there isn't. Um, but yeah. it did seem like the players maybe thought that there was. So hopefully there's not a long-standing sort of um, issue emerging out of that because it does seem like there's a bit of a disparity between players and front office. But like I said, did, did, sorry, did you read the article, the full article? Not in full. No, I will admit. Re- I, I would strongly recommend everyone read the full article because they then they start talking about Joe. Joe, yeah. And it'll make you feel a hell of a lot better about how this is playing out. They're like effusive with their praise. And Missoula has some quotes at the end that I think are like oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that this is going to be difficult for them. I'm a sounding board for them. They can come to me with anything. I understand how they feel about Ime and why they feel that way. And I'm not offended. And they can talk to me about it anytime. It's like, oh. That's a leader, baby. That's what you want to write. Read the article. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> Joe, just call It'll a few more timeouts in more timely manners. And <laughs> yeah. uh, we're all, Please, Joe. all on team Joe. <laughs> now, just to wrap up the Shard of Photo Report with something a little bit more juicy, a little bit more sort of classically in line with the Shard of Photo Report. The Sixers, they lost again today to the Wizards. They're now four and five <laughs> in the eight seed. And Bede was out. Uh, and again, not that we celebrate any injuries. I do believe from the tweets that I read during the Celtics game that... Harden left with an injury as well. They are still pretty much uh, a house on fire. And then the Lakers, if I can just switch over to my Western Conference standings, uh, they're actually not last in the West anymore. They're uh, 14th seed above the Rockets, who are in 15. They're one and five, which is ridiculous. They had one game where they brought Russ off the bench and he scored some points and the entire Staples Center or the Crypto.com Arena were celebrating like they'd figured it out. And it was just like championship go time now. 
Um, back to sucking. Uh, you love to see it. Out of the, the Sixers so, yeah. and the Lakers, Spoonie, which brings you more joy in a time like this where we've just unfortunately lost in overtime to the Cavs? Uh, so I, I think I sports hate LeBron more than any individual <laughs> franchise. And then my most hated franchise is the Lakers. Mm-hmm. So as much as we play the Sixers more and I find their fans incredibly annoying, watching the Lakers crash and burn is like the sweetest of the sweet, man. That gets nothing better. And LeBron just like making his little aside comments and like, oh, we're not good at shooting. We don't have a lot of shooters. You built the team, LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> So uh, I'm enjoying the Lakers a lot. That's right interesting. Now. I I, um, I find the Sixers' demise way more appealing. Yeah, just right. the, the process okay. and the yeah. the hubris of Joel Embiid throughout the process, the Ben Simmons situation, and the shame that he brought upon my people here in Australia. <laughs> yeah, your country. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just it's unforgivable. And you know, you talked about starting to feel bad about Kyrie, and like just on a serious note, I'm starting to feel that way about Ben Simmons as well because clearly there's a mental element yeah. to his inability to sort of pull himself out of this funk. But suffice to say watching the Sixers lose and suck as bad as they are, despite the quality of their roster, unlike the Lakers, you know, there's a lot of talk about um, outside of their top two, so that their bottom, what, 13, being the worst yeah. bottom 13 in the league. Yes. The Sixers <laughs> don't, like, don't have that problem. They're in theory well-constructed roster, and yet they still suck, and that brings me yeah. so much joy. Uh, all right, Spoonie, anything else you want to touch on from this game or the Schadenfreude report or anything else before we wrap up? I, I don't want to. The Lakers and the Sixers sucking is like a good whiskey, man. It takes the edge off of a long yeah. day. You know what I mean? But I really <laughs> gonna, I'm going to take this Cavs game and forget about it immediately and try and pretend it didn't happen because it was a frustrate. On to the next one. Absolutely. Good idea. And if you're listening to the show, I recommend that you do exactly that. I personally, it's the middle of the day here still. I'm going to go for a long walk once we're done here. Uh, that is going <laughs> to do it for this episode of First to the Floor. Uh, for those of you uh, watching on YouTube, please feel free to go ahead and like and subscribe. We're rocketing up close to 1,000 subs there, uh, which will be a huge please. milestone for us. <laughs> yeah, please uh, go ahead and subscribe to the show if you're listening later on Spotify or whatever of a podcast platform. Thank you very much for tuning in. That's going to do it for this one. Spoonie, love your work, mate. Thanks again. Thanks, Ben. All right. Until next time, go Celtics. Peace. (laughs) 